Rough year for your favorite NFL team? Join me, Danny Heifetz, along with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Krolbeck on the Ringer NFL Draft Show, where we talk about all things NFL Draft, and more importantly, how to fix your mediocre team. Check out the Ringer NFL Draft Show every Tuesday and Thursday. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It is Wednesday, April 12th. Today, I'm putting on my litigator hat. Back when I practiced entertainment media law here in L.A., I would have killed to be involved in a case like Dominion Voting Systems versus Fox Corporation. We did an episode on this case a few months ago, and now, amazingly, it's one of the very rare defamation matters with huge stakes that's actually going to trial. Jury selection is set to begin in Delaware tomorrow. The trial will get going next week, and the $1.6 billion in potential damages are a very big deal to Fox, because its entire profits for 2022 were about $1.5 billion. This thing has been litigated since shortly after the 2020 election, and it's actually a pretty simple case. Dominion makes voting machines. When Donald Trump lost the election and started claiming it was stolen, Fox News hosts like Lou Dobbs, Maria Bartiromo, Janine Pirro started making a bunch of false statements on Fox's air, as did Trump backers like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, connecting those voting machines to alleged election fraud. They did so at a time where we now know Fox executives and even its top boss, Rupert Murdoch, were freaking out about losing their audience to the more radical outlets like Newsmax and One America. Dominion says these lies irreparably harmed its business, so they sued, as did Smartmatic, another voting company with its own separate case. Tons of dirt on Fox News and embarrassing private correspondence has come out in this case, but it's all kind of obscured the legal standard here. Dominion must show that the statements about Fox News were about Dominion, were knowingly false, which is the actual malice standard under the First Amendment, or that the statements were broadcast with reckless disregard for their truth or falsity. The legal community seems to think Fox is kind of screwed here. If anything, it's a textbook case of what defamation is supposed to protect against, right? And the correspondence that has come out so far shows how desperate Fox was to feed these lies to its audience so they wouldn't switch the channel. Case closed, right? Not really. That's why I wanted to have Doug Morell on the show. He's an experienced First Amendment litigator at the Greenberg-Lusker firm in L.A., and he handles top free speech cases in the entertainment industry. He's represented a ton of media outlets as well as those suing them for libel and slander. We're going to filter out all this noise, the Tucker Carlson stuff saying he hates Trump passionately, and just focus on the legal case today from the lawyer's perspective. How we can expect this trial to play out, and is Fox actually as screwed as most people think they are? From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Doug Morell. Doug is a partner at Greenberg Glusker in Los Angeles and one of the top First Amendment litigators in L.A. Welcome, Doug. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure to be with you. 
All right, so let's get into this. There's been so much media coverage of this case, and we're going to focus on the specifics of the trial and what to expect here. But first, I got to ask you, why do you think the Murdochs haven't settled this case? I mean, just yesterday, the judge lashed out at them for not disclosing that Rupert is an officer of Fox News. He said to them, you have a credibility problem. That is not a good thing to hear when you are on trial for defamation. <laughs> and just today, the judge said he's going to appoint a special master to investigate some of these withholdings by Fox News. That's not good news if you're Fox. Why haven't they settled this? Look, you know, that's the... Uh... Uh, $1.6 billion question, I guess, Matt. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's been a lot of speculation that they could not, under any circumstances, allow this case to go to trial because of the bad facts that have already been developed and are likely to get developed for trial. Uh, you know, I have no particular insight into what's going on in the heads of <laughs> uh, Fox News, but, you know, it does seem to me that, uh, you know, as uh, Professor Larry Tribe said, you know, lying is Fox's business model. And this is a frontal attack on that business model. Mm -hmm. And if they cave with respect to this matter, who knows what's going to happen? Smartmatic wait, uh, waits uh, after right. this case. Uh, and there are, you know, innumerable others out there who might be uh, incentivized uh, to sue Fox uh, if this case is successful. Well, and also if they settle it, for a number that gets out there. I mean, I have heard that the the reluctance to settle is on the Dominion side, meaning they're not going to just go away. They think their case is so strong that the kinds of things that they would demand in a settlement, like on-air apologies every day for a month, like a fund set up where Fox would have to publicly donate to certain uh, charitable causes that would not be beneficial or not would, would not be well received by the Fox audience, things that would be embarrassing to them, not just writing a check. Right. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, Dominion has very, very little incentive to sue, to uh, settle at this point. All right. So let's get into this trial because we've seen some pretrial motions uh, decided on this past week. Some things that can be argued, cannot be argued. What has surprised or what's interested you most about the procedural posture of the case heading into trial? Well, there's one thing uh, that your colleague, uh, Matt, Eric Gardner, pointed out, and that is that uh, the fact that the judge did not uh, decide the actual malice question uh, on summary judgment, uh, I think uh, may well be proved to be a blessing in disguise for Dominion. Why so? Because what happens is that uh, a jury which is confronted only with the question of damages doesn't really have the ability to understand, you know, why they're there or how really damaging uh, this, uh, this is. And if they have to hear uh, the extent to which, uh, as the judge put it, Fox has a Dobbs problem, the extent to which they see the actions of Maria Bartiromo and others, uh, that's going to inflame uh, in, in a vernacular way uh, the jury and may, may result in a significantly higher damage award than if they were just confronted with the fact that, yeah, you, you defame them, yeah, it was false, yeah, you, uh, you're uh, responsible for uh, actual malice. 
Right. It was a, it was a loss, but it almost end up could it could be a win because the you know the whole point here is the judge could have said in a summary judgment ruling that actual malice has been established. Fox knew these statements were wrong. They ran them anyways. All of the incentives were lined up for Fox to lie. We're not even going to debate that or litigate it at the trial. Just figure out what the damages is. And the judge didn't do that. The judge said, we're going to have a trial on that issue. So the jury is going to have to decide whether this meets the actual malice standard, which is the First Amendment standard. What were these statements said with knowledge that they were false or with reckless disregard for the truth? Right. No, that's that's right. And uh, and I think that uh, there will be plenty of witnesses out there uh, now, apparently, including both Lachlan and Rupert Murdoch themselves in person who are going to have to answer for what uh, their entities did. Uh, and the fact, uh, you know, I think it was just yesterday that the judge expressed extreme consternation at the fact that he had been misled about whether or not uh, Rupert Murdoch was an officer of Fox News, uh, I think uh, is going to result in him allowing quite a lot of testimony about what he, as an officer of that entity, did or didn't do. What a nightmare. So you're representing Dominion, and you get Rupert Murdoch on the stand. What do you ask him? Which direction do you go in the questioning? I would pick up on statements that have already been reported about what he said at his deposition, including that he in, uh, that he acknowledges that there was endorsement right. uh, of these cockamamie theories. He used that word endorsement. They endorsed them. Yeah. If you've got gold like that, you want to mine it uh, and bring to the jury's attention the fact that he's already said that. If you plant those seeds correctly, uh, you know you've got. Uh, kind of a situation where uh, uh, that's somewhat similar uh, to the deposition I took uh, of A.J. Delorio in the Hulk Hogan case. The, he was the Gawker editor who posted all the stories in the video of Hulk Hogan having sex. And that was a very prominent First Amendment case that Gawker lost. And, you know, uh, I, I don't expect, uh, you know, if we're talking about that case for a minute, I, I certainly don't expect that any verdict uh, against Fox um, more or less, no matter what the monetary amount is, is going to bankrupt them. Uh, I think they will remain uh, a, a significant force, an entity to be reckoned with uh, long into the future. But, uh, you know, I do think that uh, a significant award would uh, incentivize uh, any number of other plaintiffs to want to give a hard look at whether they've got a case. Right. Well, including Smartmatic, which has its own case currently pending. But uh, let's let's get into we'll get into the damages in a moment. But I want to talk about some of the things that can and can't be discussed during the trial, because so much has come out in this litigation that is damaging from a reputation standpoint to Fox, all the Tucker Carlson stuff, the, you know, Rupert acknowledging that stuff was not, you know, that the statements were were B.S., um, a lot of the back and forth among the hosts at Fox News, just showing how little respect they have for their own audience. Um, and they kind of didn't believe what they were saying on the air. But the judge ruled this week that a Dominion cannot bring up the insurrection that is not relevant to this case, even though you can draw a direct line from the lies that were on Fox News to the actions on January 6th. Uh, it can bring up Dominion can bring up threats 
that its staffers received in the aftermath of the 2020 election. He ruled that he can, he, they can bring that up. They can't get into specifics, but it is relevant to show the damages that that Dominion suffered from these statements. And Dominion can bring up Fox's financial information. He said economics are relevant. And that, that to me is very interesting because the profit motive here in airing these is pretty clear from the statements we've seen of the Fox News people internally. They seem to know exactly what they were doing and why they were doing it, which to me is a very good piece of evidence for actual malice. They knew that if they didn't air these lies, that their viewers would go to OAN or Newsmax. And it was actually a considered and discussed decision to allow this stuff to go forward. That's got to be something that the Dominion lawyers focus on, correct? Oh, God, yes. Um, well, there are two things that are unusual about this case. First is that you this doesn't involve a single defamatory statement like many, most uh, defamation cases do. This involves a pattern and practice of engaging in malicious lies uh, that are being spread over the course of many, many days, if not weeks, if not months. Uh, by uh, by hosts themselves and their guests and and a lot of their guests as well Giuliani and Powell right by their guests but by uh, guests who were not necessarily people who were just brought on without any knowledge but these were people who had uh, who these hosts knew were going to spout lies right uh, and they basically said come on right. And they were discussed internally as being crazy, yet still brought on. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you've also got a situation where Fox is is just completely uh, beholden to its audience. And so the notion that you have in this case uh, a situation where you're going to be able to prove uh, actual malice uh, not only by showing that the statements were recklessly made or or knowingly false, but you have a motive for doing this, right? And that is extremely unusual in a in a defamation case, as is the notion of being able to demonstrate actual malice in the first place. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I can count on the fingers of one hand, with perhaps a few fingers amputated, how many cases uh, in, in defamation cases since New York Times versus Sullivan in 1964, have actually resulted in a plaintiff's verdict where a finding of actual malice has been upheld. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing here, is that so many lawyers like yourself are looking at this case and saying, if this isn't defamation, what is? I mean, it's it because I've been on, I've, I've litigated these cases, and I've actually been, not sued myself, but in cases where stories that I've been involved in have been the subject of litigation. And it typically comes down to whether a specific statement or a couple little statements were essentially accidents or whether they were maliciously included to harm someone. And I, at least, you know, in my experience, I've never met a journalist who wanted to defame someone. Um, and that could, you know, I know that I've worked in different 
types of newsrooms than maybe some others. But you're usually saying to the lawyers that represent you, like, if this wasn't entirely true, it wasn't because we wanted it to be false. It was because we either got bad information from someone or we made a mistake. And that's what the First Amendment is supposed to protect in these situations. And this is not that case. But one of the other motion in limine decisions was interesting to me because Fox, the judge ruled, is not allowed to bring up broadcasts where its anchors and reporters fact-checked Trump's lies, meaning there were things on Fox at the time that were not lies, that were accurate. And Fox has always maintained that they had a variety of hosts saying a variety of things. Some of them were parroting the president's lies. Some of them were fact-checking it. Now, they're not going to be able to use the accurate stuff to defend the stuff that wasn't accurate. Right. Well, and that's as it should be, frankly, uh, because there is no sense in which uh, you've got uh, potential uh, audience members who are listening, you know, 24-7, although I'm sure Fox has some of those people out there. Uh, but, you know, the question is, at a particular point in time, was a statement that was made, made with knowing falsity or reckless disregard for its truth. And, uh, you know, look, the, I mean, the whole thing that started this uh, tr train wreck, potentially, down the tracks, uh, is the fact that Fox called Arizona for Biden. And right. that was true. They were, right. But the fact is that they were first, and that just went, caused the, uh, uh, the hosts uh, on the network to go apeshit. Well, because their viewers were going apeshit. Yeah, of course, of course. And turning off the channel, which is the worst thing that you could ever do. Apeshit is fine as long as you're tuning in and you're outraged while watching. Apeshit and watching the other guy is the disaster. That is the disaster. And, um, and, and they couldn't allow that to happen uh, under any set of circumstances. So part of the strategy, it seems to me, uh, was to let on every kook and whack nut uh, out there from Sidney Powell to Rudy Giuliani and, and all of their confederates uh, to say, you know, this is completely false. Now, the judge is also not allowing Fox to make the newsworthy argument, correct? That he is not, Fox's entire, entire statement and argument the entire time has been, whatever the president says is inherently newsworthy, and we were reporting on that statement and the over and Trump's repeated, repeated statements about the election. Why did the judge not allow them to make that argument? Let me start by saying the desperate times apparently call for desperate claims. And that's really all that Fox has left. And so, you know, they're falling back on, well, anything that the president says must be newsworthy, you know, and I'm sorry, but first, it's not Trump statements that are being called into question. That's the key difference. Right. It's the statements of those uh, who were brought on air, as well as the endorsements of those statements, uh, separate and apart from what the guests said by the hosts themselves. Yeah. You know, they pressed forward, those hosts pressed forward with vote rigging allegations well after it was quite clear that those claims were demonstrably false. But just playing devil's advocate here, Politicians say untrue things all the time. Why should a news outlet be held liable for accurately reporting what the president is saying? 
They shouldn't be. But uh, if they do so with knowledge that what is being said is false and without saying, without including anything re remotely resembling a disclaimer uh, saying, you know, this is this is not true, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, CNN reported on what Trump was saying as well, but they also said there is no evidence for any of this. Right. And that's what fact checking is all about. That's how a network that purports to be fair and balanced uh, ought to be uh, doing its job. Well, they, they don't. They don't purport that anymore. FYI. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, <laughs> I, that 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 slogan was dropped a few years ago. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So let's get to the damages question, because even if Fox is found liable here, most of the experts say that the damages are not going to get anywhere near $1.6 Do you agree with that? I don't know that I do. Uh, first, uh, I'm not privy to two pieces of information, really. One is, what is the likely future non-speculative uh, injury? That Dominion is going to suffer. Uh, are there folks out there who would, who they have evidence of, would have contracted with them, but who now, but for the claims that its uh, its machines rig votes, are now not going to enter into contracts with them? They do have that evidence, and I and I saw a news report a couple of weeks ago about a county in Northern California that ended its contract with one of the voting machine things because of the controversy around them. Right. No, that's that's true with respect to existing contracts, you right. know, but uh, I'm uh, I'm talking about beyond that. Oh, in the future. Right. Yeah. It's tough to quantify that. Fox's defense seems to be, well, you know, the company isn't worth all that much. Look how, you know, it only sold for a few million dollars here and there when it was, you know, purchased. Uh, but that's not the inquiry, certainly not the inquiry that Dominion's lawyers are going to push. So if you're representing Fox here, what is what are the wins in the trial? What are you going to? What are you given what's been excluded and what you can't argue? What are your key points that you want to hammer home so that, that make sure that the jury hears the um, uh, floodgates argument? You know what happens? Pose to the jury 
a whole series of hypotheticals about what might happen if uh, if Fox is held liable here and play to uh, a presumably relatively liberal jury's uh, views about what horrors might befall uh, their favorite cause uh, if right. Fox isn't allowed to to invoke that as a as essentially an affirmative defense. But you know, given the fact that falsity has already been adjudicated and that they'll be told that falsity has been adjudicated. Uh, I'm a little at sea about how Fox is going to be able to make that argument credibly in front of a jury. Yeah, it is. It does kind of turn the free speech argument on its head politically, because I think that you ask liberal minded people who are not Fox News viewers if the media should have more or less leeway when it comes to being held accountable for things on that they say, most liberals would say, yo, there should be strong first amendment protections. And you know, you've been on the side of those cases many times and saying that there should be strong first amendment protections. And yet we have a case here where the supposedly liberal media and people that are observing this case are saying, no, 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 this goes over the line. Um, and I do worry a little bit about the slippery slope because Listen, I work in this field. I rely on these protections. Rupert Murdoch certainly has relied on these protections. He came to this country in the 70s and basically built his media empire on the back of very liberal press protections that allowed him to do things like the New York Post and page six. You know, you could do a gossip column and not get sued out of existence. And then Fox News came along and they took advantage of that as well. So he has sort of been a beneficiary of these rules for decades now. There's someone else who's also been a beneficiary. Sure. His name is Donald Trump. <laughs> Absolutely. The notion that he, uh, of all people, uh, would seek to try to dismantle uh, Times versus Sullivan protections is just laughable. One last question. I Doug, so make. Are you prepared to make a prediction? Verdict, verdict and damages. What's your prediction? You know, I, I hate to do this. Um, I am not a, uh, I'm not a, a prognosticator. I'm not a seer. Sure. Um, I, I think liability is pretty much a slam dunk. I think the jury will find actual malice. And I think that if you know there's sufficient evidence that comes in about uh, Fox's, uh, the F, uh, Fox Corps and Fox News Networks. Uh, wealth, their financial status, uh, that compensatory plus punitives could well be at or near a billion. Wow. Billion dollar verdict. You heard it here first. <laughs> Don't call me back if I'm wrong. No, I will not. I will not hold you accountable. Th this is not a court of law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it, Doug. Hey, man, my pleasure again. All right. We're back with the call sheet. It's official, Craig. HBO Max is now just Max. They lost the HBO. I feel like Justin Timberlake and the social network. It's cleaner. It's cleaner, yeah. And now, now we have a product that everybody can enjoy. It's not just prestige TV. Yes, this is the coming together of Discovery Plus content and HBO Max content. And now HBO is just a, they said it's a prominently featured part of the service, but it's designed to bring in people who are not HBO people 
And, you know, there's some good stuff they announced. They showed some clips today of the True Detective spinoff or the True Detective next installment with Jodie Foster. Looks good. Kate Winslet has a new show called The Regime. That looks like a, an Emmy play that's coming up. Um, they have a, the showed some stuff from the Penguin show with Colin Farrell in a A-plus fat suit. So they got that coming up. They have a show about dating where the women don't speak English. The Love in Translation, uh, which looks like kind of almost like a sex trafficking show. I don't know what it is, but it's funny now to see that stuff all intermingled in one presentation with the like prestige stuff. In this new bundling era that is upon us or that is looming, you know, you want to be able to get every type of content on one platform. On Netflix, you can get Selling Sunset and you can get The Last Dance. And now HBO Max or Max is doing the same thing. That is true. Although Casey Bloys, the head of HBO and now the head of Max content was up there saying, he said specifically, we are not a giant undifferentiated blob of programming. I think that was a little <laughs> veiled poke at Netflix. They sell the good stuff, the stuff that you and me like, and now they've got other stuff. Uh, the price point is what I want to talk about because they did not raise the price on HBO Max. It's still $15.99, 16 bucks for HBO Max, and now it gets all this other stuff. They have a ridiculous higher price tier that nobody's going to use, and then they have a lower price $10 ad tier that you can get ads and pay less. But my prediction is that this price is going to go up pretty soon and i think pretty significantly because what they're going to do is they're going to charge nothing more see how it all plays out see if what they think is going to happen happens which is that people come in for the hbo stuff but at the end of the day the hours burned and the stuff they actually watch when they're folding laundry or making dinner is the discovery plus shows like 90 day fiance and stuff like that and they're going to say okay people are getting value out of this let's raise the price do you think it's more reasonable to charge for high quality content and le but less content or to charge more for a wider swath of content that may not necessarily be as high quality? Well, that's the big question they have to answer because HBO has some of the highest value proposition scores of people who subscribe to it. People who subscribe to HBO Max like it and think it's great, but it has some of the lowest number of hours burned, meaning you subscribe because you like that Sunday night viewing or the one buzzy show every quarter like Succession or White Lotus or whatever that keeps you subscribed, but they're not watching it day in and day out for hours at a time like people do on Discovery. And that's what they're hoping to combine and to reduce churn, bring them in with HBO, reduce churn with the Discovery stuff. Eventually, we're going to be paying $20 a month for all these services. I'm fine with that. I'd pay $20 a month. You for are. Probably, I would probably pay $20 a month for Wait, just succession, to be honest. You are on record as stealing your you know, loved one's subscriptions. Well, with these crackdowns, it's becoming increasingly more difficult. Yes, it will. And I'm now trying to expense all of my services. So I, I'm doing whatever I can to not pay. You're growing up. It's called growing up. You go from <laughs> mooching off your family to mooching off your employer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Doug Morrell. I want to thank producer Craig Holbeck and his various subscriptions. I want to thank you. We will see you later this week. 